Okay, here's a picture of a guy who's going like, he's maybe sitting in a service like this or listening on the radio and he goes like, you know what, my life is messed up. I, I, I really don't like my, my, my life and, and I've been hearing things at church and I've been reading about God and I've been thinking about changes coming in and through my life and, and I've been wondering what to do and, and I know what, it, I know what, I just gotta, I'm not sure I wanna go with the whole God thing because I'm not sure what God would do and I want, but I, I, can, I can pull it together. I can make things work better on my own. I can, I can make my life just a little bit. So he, he pulls things together and he, he begins to, you know, like bare knuckle it through and, and things do go better. And, but you know what? After a few weeks, after a few months, there's no pleasure in it. Like, Here it comes, brand new day, but I don't know what will come my way. Rise or fall, your love will Challenge like your word directs me to what's right and spurs me on right through the fight with the promise of new life. Your word, oh God, your word to me, making me all that I need to be. Your word, oh God, means the world to me, the world to me. Good evening, my name is Marco and this is Pastor Stan Starkey. You're listening to A Word With God. Stan, apparently you have a junk drawer that requires some attention. You want to believe it. Yeah. Do you need anything? <laughs> well, I'm sure I can find something, but then I'd have to give you something from mine. Apparently, just like our junk drawers, we need to get rid of some of the garbage from our own Christian lives. So let's open up our Bibles to the 11th chapter of Luke and get started. Are you ready? Absolutely. If you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11 this morning, and we're going to be beginning around verse 14. Mark, I'm going to need your help this morning. Every family has this terrible, deep, dark secret. Do you know what it is, Ellie? I'm sure that you have the same deep, dark secret. Do you know what it is, Rachel? I'm sure that you have many of these deep, dark (laughs) secrets. Don't tell. Don't tell. I am here to expose this morning the deepest, darkest secret in our family. Mark, can you stand up? I need your help here. Because we are going to display for everybody to see the most terrible, horrible, deepest, darkest secret. Come up here, Stan. Stand right here. And I need you to kind of do... It's the family junk drawer. You hold, I, I'm going to let you hold that total. Are you going to strong? The total, the total horribleness. I'm not sure what this is for. I was kind of thinking holding children in place or grandchildren. It, it, it could, it could work. It's for a swing set. Okay, that's for someday there'll be a swing set. You could make some use out of this. This, this you can make money doing laundry. You can put this on your machine. This is a coin operation at Buckalode. You may want to change that. But it, on your car. <laughs> there you go, brother. That's worth 70 bucks. That's why I haven't thrown it out. Um, um, 
oh, okay. Who fishes here? Anybody go fishing? Oh, Steve. In a package, the red devil. Okay, okay. Here is, where's Dan? Where did Dan go? Did we lose Dan? Okay. This is, this is a technical thing. Uh, this, is, this is for a cordless microphone. Or no, this is for a plugged-in microphone. This is, I'll, I'll give this to you, Wendy Lou. You are in our technical team. So that can go to you. We're going to clean out my junk drawer this morning. Hey, I never thought of this. This is, this is really good. Just ask you before me. Do you lose your children? Okay, that keeps your children in place. A valve stem remover for tires. Does anybody want a valve stem remover replacer? You got your hand up back there? Okay, okay. I'm not going to throw it because it would puncture her. It would put her right in the eye. It would put an eye out. What kind of a mother would say throw sharp things? Marco, give this, give this to, to Andrea over in the corner. Okay. Um, oh, a remote control in a, in, a, in a thing, and I don't know what it's for. Anybody want a remote control with a, with a, with a book? Okay. Okay, downstairs. I'll go downstairs. We're not even like, we're not even started. There's like, there's, there's address book, keys. There's, there's a whole bunch of keys. Oh, here's a keychain with a cutter diddly do on it. Would anybody like a, a knife on a keychain? <laughs> Highly dangerous. Well, I've got exacto knives. There's a, there's a, uh, there's a, a cutting knife. Um, oh, what's this? You put, oh, it's a candle snuffer. Do we use this? Anybody want a candle snuffer? This is better than a yard sale. Oh, for, for Advent. Okay, Mark, I'm going to let you kind of, you could, if you want anything in here, pretty much anything. Except for the address book. Except for the address book. And, and smiley, what are these? These are diddly-doos with smiley faces on Okay, Mark, you're going to handle the junk afterwards. Don't you just put yeah. it in the garbage? Well, you <laughs> That's not helpful, is it? Well, okay, well, you, you, you. Okay. Junk. Does every family here have a junk drawer? And it just you have you have one? Do you have more than one, Rachel? Was I right? You were supposed to tell my secret. Oh, okay. Well, uh, we've been talking what it means to get out there. And before we get out there, getting out there means getting rid of the junk. Getting rid of the junk. We're beginning verse 14. Uh, Jesus is um, right into this about getting rid of junk. And uh, he's going to talk about getting rid of junk this morning. And the first thing we see in verses 14 to 16, Jesus has power over darkness. Power to get over the junk in life. And he, Jesus, was casting out a demon, meaning to command to come out. He's going to give us some additional information here. It was mute. This demon did not allow the man to speak. When the demon, this evil spirit, had gone out, the mute man spoke. The guy who didn't speak can now speak. That happens all the time with Jesus. People that can't do things can now do things. People who need healing are now healed. People who have messed up lives, our lives are straightened around. 
And the crowds were amazed. And this happens a lot around Jesus. Wherever Jesus is, people are amazed all the time. But what's God's like, did you hear what he did? Did you hear? Do you know what he did last week? He did something, something better this week. Well, Jesus excels in bringing freedom and bringing release from bondage. This amaze here is the idea of wonderment, held him in admiration. You know, freedom is at the heart of the gospel. Freedom is at the center of the gospel. Freedom from all kinds of things. Romans 8 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation. There's no bondage. There's no, there, there are no demands. There's no punishment. For those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life is in Christ Jesus. He set you free. No condemnation, but freedom now. Free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through his flesh, God did. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He looked like sinful flesh, but he was not sinful flesh. Is anybody here, like, like... When you grow up on a dairy farm and you, and you have real butter and then you go to your friend's house and they've got that slimy margarine foul tasting stuff and you've got the real, it looks like butter, but it's not. My mom, I've told you before, had this thing where she had powdered milk in the fridge and, and she believed if it was cold and mixed up well that no one could tell the difference. I mean, my brother's shaking his head back there now. It's just not so, is it? It looks like it, but it's not it. And you can tell it a hundred miles away that this is not what it looks like. Jesus looked like he was like everybody else, sinful flesh like everybody else, but he was not as he appeared to be. He was a sinless son of God. So in the image of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin. In the flesh. He put it to death. Well, that message always gets a response from Jesus' enemies, and we see some pushback from his enemies in verses 15 to 16. And there are, let's see, one, two, three, uh, three, or sorry, two things that he pushes back on. The first thing we see is uh, you're on Satan's side. That's what they've said about him. You're on Satan's side, and that's how you're able to do all these miracles. So their first accusation was, you're on Satan's side. That's how it's going, verse 15. But he's contrasting this to the crowds who adored him, the ones who were in admiration. But some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebel. Beelzebel means lord of the house. They're talking about Satan, the ruler of demons. So that's the first accusation. Well, the only reason you can do these things is you're on the enemy's side. Number two, the next accusation, the next pushback. You're limited. Uh, you are limited. That's all you can do. Like, do something else. Prove to us that, that you've got the power to do something else. It's just this thing here. And, um, and it says here that to others, to test him. That word test, I mean, it's not how God tests. God tests to prove character. God tests to show character. Satan, this word to test there means to be crafty, malicious. This is a comment on their motive as given by God. Don't confuse God and Satan. 
Others to test him were demanding of him a sign from heaven. Okay, okay, Old Testament scholar here. There was another group of people before Moses who said, Moses, dude, you're not from God. Your things you're doing aren't from God. Sons of Korah. And they asked God for a sign. But what happened to them? They done got sucked down into the ground, covered over, and Moses would less stay. So, like, here's these guys going the same thing. You're not from God. Show us a heavenly sign. Last time a heavenly sign was given, whether someone was from God or not, gone. Pretty brave people. Hey, Marco, what are you doing on Saturday, September 25th? I don't know, but I'd like you to tell me. At Evangel, it's our anniversary weekend. We're doing something really special on the Saturday night. We are inviting a group of people called Jews for Jesus to enter in and explain the Old Testament festival of tabernacles. Do you know what the Feast of Tabernacles is all about, Marco? Food? Well, it does have something to do with food in it, but it also has a lot to do with about Messiah. Sounds and wonderful. expect it coming of Messiah. In fact, these guys say that the Feast of Tabernacles is the only feast that's going to be repeated in the kingdom. That's amazing. We probably should find out something more about it. So 7 p.m. at Evangel Community Church on Saturday, September 25th. See you there. Well, Jesus responds to these accusations in verses 17 to 20, and he has three answers back to them. And, uh, but, however, he knew their thoughts. The word thoughts there is to do, deal with motives. He knew their motives, and he said to them, he's got these three answers. Answer number one is if Satan is at war with himself, he's in deep trouble. Let's pick this up in verse 17. This is a kingdom illustration he uses of that. Any kingdom, any power, any dominion divided against itself, means to be divided into opposing parts, is laid waste. It'll lose its protection. And, uh, I mean, it's like a civil war going on. Civil wars are not good. Does a kingdom, does a country come out better from a civil war right away? No, it's decimated. It's, it's, it's destroyed. Okay, who has smart kids? Okay. Smart kids, I've watched this, I've observed this in our own family. Um, okay, your two sisters have something. You guys are little, and they've got something that they're playing with, and, and, they're, and, and you know that you would really like to play. So what you do is you set Sarah against you know, your sister. Like, she, she's had that longer than you. That was yours. You should be able to. And, and so they get a civil war going on. You get a fight going on. What happens? Mom and dad come in and squash the civil war. What do you get? The toy. Smart kid. You've got a smart kid here. He's saying that uh, Satan warring with himself? No, I don't think so. And he has a house illustration. And, in addition, a house divided against itself falls. Classic example, David and Absalom. A house divided against itself was, was not good news. And then he has a question here. If Satan also is divided against himself, if he's at war with himself, if he's fighting with himself, if he has a civil war in his hands, how will his kingdom stand? This doesn't even make sense. How will his rule be established? Well, that's his first answer back to them. His second answer to the accusations 
If the only way to defeat Satan is by his own power, then whose side are your students on when they cast out demons? If the only way to handle Satan is by the power of Satan, your guys are doing the same thing. By whose power are they casting out demons? Just pick up before 19. Four, because you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul, and if by Beelzebul I cast out demons, by whom do your sons, means offspring, followers, cast them out? If it takes Satan to drive out Satan, then logically your guys are using the same power I am. So, therefore, they, that's your students' actions, will be your judges. The answer will come up uh, with what you determine by them. This is the third one. Answer number three. Basically says, if this is God's work, then you had better respond to it. Verse 20, but this is a contrasting conjunction. If I cast out demons by, it's an instrumental mark, the finger of God, by means of the finger of God. Okay, he's got this little thing here. You ever like arm wrestling? Well, when you get to have kids, then they're little, they want to arm wrestle daddy all the time, and what you do is you, you, you let them win. Well, my dad didn't, but usually dads do. And so you, and then, then they get a little bit older, and you say, okay, you can use two hands. And then you go, I tell you what, you use two hands, and daddy will use his finger. And you still, and you kind of let them really. Jesus is making an illustration. If by the finger of God, God doesn't even, he didn't, to move that demon out, to deal with that man's life, he didn't have to, I mean, he's just like, get out of here. Just like Marco would swat a fly. Get out of here. You're a pest. You're messing with us. Well, but if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then, here's the conclusion, the kingdom of God has come to you. You're experiencing the rule of God right now. And then he gives us an illustration of why he is superior, why Jesus is superior to Satan, verses 21 to 22. This is how Jesus' finger is stronger than Satan. When a strong, a mighty man, fully armed, uh, armed guards his house, his possessions are undisturbed. It means he is experiencing tranquility. Okay, I live with someone who locks everything. I mean, I have gone out the front door, put something in the car, turned around, come back to the door. It's locked. I've been gone like 10 seconds. Locked. I mean, she locks the car. She locks the door. She locks everything. If there was a lock on the fridge, I'm sure it would be locked too. But I mean, it's just absolutely. You're going to agree? It's an amen? It's an amen? Okay. Oh, man. But when someone stronger than he attacks him and overpowers him, kind of, kind of like kicks the door down like in, 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 the, in the cops show, what's the result? He takes away from him all his armor on which he had relied and distributes the plunder. It's like he kicks the door in, boom. What happens after you kick the door in? Does it do a good job of holding things out? What do you think, Marco? No, because the, the jam is split and everything's smashed in and, and, and it's just not going to do the, the, the strong man comes and kicks out 
It's no longer effective. He moves on, verses 23 to 26. He makes this declaration that if you're not with Jesus, then you're on Satan's side. 23, he who is not with me is against me. There's two teams. There's not kind of a third team in the middle. One side, the other side. He who is not with me is against me, and he does not gather. And he, he, he puts these two words against each other. He who does not gather with me scatters. It passes then the unclean spirit. Now, this can mean a demon, or it could be a heart attitude, your own spirit, when it's unclean, when it's, when it's messed up, when it's going the wrong direction. When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places, idea of no satisfaction. Ever, ever done this? Ever, ever gone to the fridge like at 11 at night and, and supper was at 5 and you just like want some little thing? Okay, the plate of spare ribs is too much. There's, no, nah, those oranges, they, 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 they're, they're pithy and, and there's no juice in them. There's a bowl of tapioca pudding. That's exactly what I want right there. No satisfaction. The spirit, the spirit inside the person, the demon, or the spirit inside the person, there's no satisfaction here. It's what passing through waterless places, seeking rest. That word rest means recreation or pleasure. There's no satisfaction. There's no pleasure in life. There's no, there's no, there's no satisfaction there. Then it goes and takes along seven other spirits. Seven, when it's used this way in Scripture, has the idea of completion, totality. More evil, more, more full, of, full of labors, annoyances, hardships. That word evil is not kind of how we think of evil. It's not like a, a murderer or a robber but one who is, is full of labor and annoyance and, and hardship, more evil than itself, and they go in and live there. It means they settle down and dwell. Have you ever had house guests stay way longer than you thought they were going to stay? Gotten tired of them staying longer than, even maybe said, um, so when do you guys got to be back at work? And they kind of go, oh, well, we, we, don't, we lost our jobs. We're just kind of out here floating. And you're going, great, wonderful. How long do you think you're going to be here? This is a picture. This is the picture. And they go in and they live there. They settle down and they dwell. And the last state of the man becomes worse in nature than the first. Okay, here's a picture of a guy who's going like, he's maybe sitting in a service like this or listening on the radio and he goes like, you know what, my life is messed up. I, I, I really don't like my, my, my life and, and I've been hearing things at church and I've been reading about God and I've been thinking about changes coming in and through my life and, and I've been wondering what to do and, and I know what, it, I know what. I just gotta, I'm not sure I want to go with the whole God thing because I'm not sure what God would do and I want, but I, I, can, I can pull it together. I can make things work better on my own. I can, I can make my life just a little bit. So he, he pulls things together and he, he begins to, you know, like bare knuckle it through and, and things do go better. And, but you know what? After a few weeks, after a few months, there's no pleasure in it. Like, it's kind of like a diet. Four weeks, I'm good. Six weeks, I'm good. Eight weeks, I'm starting to look in the fridge again and I'm going, 
these rice cakes taste like, like, like styrofoam and, 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 and they're not godly food at all and, and they're, they're heathen, this is heathen food. And I'm sick of celery and, 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 and it's kind of like you go back in the fridge and there's the plate of ribs and you, and you kind of cook them up and, you, and, you, and before you know it, you've done the ribs and the brownies and, the, and, and it's like the end of the night and 3,000 calories have gone by and you go, what happened? The return to sin was of a greater degree. The return to the old nature was of a greater degree because they left God out of the equation. And you can't bare knuckle it with God. It comes from Him. Stan, a lot of people kept wanting Jesus to perform more miracles, just keep testing Him, do you really believe that the Pharisees and all those around who challenged him thought he was an imposter? I think that's where the Pharisees were coming from, is they couldn't believe that God w- was going to do what he said he was going to do. You know, I, I don't understand. They walked with Christ day in, day out. They saw how he interacted, how he treated, how, how he healed all these miracles. Why was it so difficult for them to believe? Well, they had a different uh, lenses on I me. Mean, like if you took my wife's glasses and put them on and tried to walk down the street, or even better, drive down the street, you'd probably end up in a tree somewhere. Like they had a different set of lenses on when it came to looking at who Messiah would be, what he would do, and so they really did not get it. So why do you think it's so difficult or even almost impossible for the people of our day and age to believe? Distractions are one thing. Again, the same thing, expectations, what people want from God versus asking, what does God want from me? And so it's just easy to get sidetracked. Thanks, Dan. In verse 18, Christ is talking about a kingdom being divided against itself and how, how it will fall. You know, it almost didn't make sense that he'd be casting out demons on behalf of Satan because then how could Satan's kingdom stand seems to me that perhaps today our Christian kingdom seems to be divided against itself. What words of encouragement can you offer us, Dan? Coming back to the Word, basing everything that we do on God's Word and not the extras. So many things that we read in and we add in that really aren't in God's Word and, and their preferences. I mean, if you kind of picture a bullseye in the center are the things that we take a bullet for, the things that we die for, like the deity of Jesus. And, and then there are the things that good men and women on, you know, coming from different viewpoints will, will uh, see in Scripture. And then there's the, the preferences. And the preferences are what uh, get us off track. And so focusing on God's Word and uh, what, we, what we hear from God's Word, that's, that's what will keep us on track, Marco. Wow, thanks a lot. Just have one little last question for you. In the 23rd verse, it says, He who is not with me is against me. I understand that part. Then it says, He who does not gather with me scatters. What does that exactly mean, scatters? Well, you're either building the kingdom or or dissembling the kingdom. So you're either on God's side, building into what he's building into, or you're tearing down what he's doing. And it's only like two positions. There's no neutral in the middle. Thanks for clearing that up. That's about it for tonight. Hey, if you are looking for a, a church 
home or, or just curious about this place we call Evangel, come and visit. We're located at 112 Spadina Road West, just a block down from St. Mary's Hospital. Worship service begins every Sunday morning at 1030. We'd love to see you there. This week, I'd like to encourage you by reminding you that if you are not against Jesus, you are with him. And no matter how badly things may appear to be in your life, you're on the winning side. So turn that frown upside down. And remember, don't end your day without a word with God. Like you